Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Late Night Linux Extra, recorded mostly on the 12th of February 2021. I'm Joe, and this time we've got another recording from one of our community meetups from a few weeks ago. Thank you everyone who's been coming to these meetups. They've turned out to be really good. We end up talking, I think last night we talked for three hours, and that was supposed to be a quick one. We just end up talking about all sorts of stuff, technical, non-technical, Linux, life, the universe, everything. And it's turning into a sort of little regular lug meeting. So go to latenightlinux.com slash mumble for details of the next one, which will be Thursday the 11th of March at 10 p.m. UK time. We've been doing them on a Friday, but I thought we'll try it on a Thursday, see how that works out, and uh, we'll have to see going forward. But yeah, the next one, Thursday, 11th of March. There's no sponsor for this episode, so in a way it's kind of sponsored by the patrons and the people who support us with PayPal. Go to latenightlinux.com slash support for details of how to do that. And remember, $5 or more per month on Patreon gets you an advert-free RSS feed. And I suppose I may as well plug two and a half admins then. So it's written as 2.5 admins, that's my other show, and that is with Alan Jude and Jim Salter. Alan is a big BSD and ZFS guy. Jim is a big Linux and ZFS guy. We try not to talk about ZFS too often, but it does creep in here and there. We cover tech news as well as answer questions from the audience. We call it free consulting, where you can get help with your problems and just benefit from the combined knowledge of Jim and Alan. So do check it out at 2.5admins.com or just search for 2.5admins in your podcast player. So let's get on with the recording then. I wanted to get all your opinions on what are the best distros for low-end hardware and what are the best distros for high-end hardware. Let's start with low-end hardware. I suppose the question, we have to define it a bit more, like what do we consider low-end hardware? I would say anything 32-bit is just dead at this point, at least x86. Yeah, probably. I, I tried to revive an old netbook recently and whatever I put on there, I mean, it's web browsers, isn't it? You've said this before in some shows, I think. But if you if you load basically any web page on most old netbooks, they start screaming and dying. Yeah, exactly. Do ARM devices count as low-end hardware? Most of them do, yeah. You can say that, but it's another kind of low-end hardware because most of the time you don't use you don't use them as a general computing device. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that because... Even the Pi 4, the Pi 400 is almost getting there with the kind of iterative releases, but it's still not quite. I work with a charity in Guinea, so this low-end thing is quite important, and it's really hot over there, so they have to run cool. And we have a Raspberry Pi discussion every once in a while, but we're like, it's just not ready yet, not quite enough. Like You can do some stuff, but you can't just give it to a kid and say, here's a web browser, do whatever you like, they're going to start to come a cropper at some point. You say that, you might be surprised. I've been using a Pi 4 as a everyday desktop for about a year now. It's the video acceleration, I guess. To be honest, I haven't had a Pi 400 to be able to test. I'm relying on others sort of making videos and stuff, but it's the smooth video playback in YouTube, which they, I think they just did a point release of Raspberry Pi OS that added some patches to Chromium, right? But can you load a 1080p video, hit play, and it just flawlessly plays? That's my my benchmark. Most of the time, it, it's I'd agree it's not perfect, but it's it's usable. 
I wouldn't be so hard on it if it wasn't so close, if you see what I mean. Like, if I think, because I, like I said earlier, I've got a Pi 1 where, like, you know, it was, it's got its applications. Oh, the Pi 1, you can just forget it. You can't use that as an everyday desktop. That's it. Whereas the 3 was getting there and the 4 is so close now that I just, it would be nice if there was that price point, that form factor, that architecture that you could just do that and be confident. Okay, you can't run AAA games on it, but it will give you all of the things you expect from a Chromebook, say, for example. Yeah, the problem that I have with a Pi or with ARM in general, like also a Pinebook Pro or something like that, is that there's always this random app like Mumble or Skype or whatever that is not compiled for ARM. That's what says to me it's not really there yet as a general computing device. Going back to the question of what's a good distro for a low-end hardware, I think really it's not so much what distro you use, but which desktop you're using. I mean, I would normally go for sort of XFCE or something, um, any old distro really. I quite like Antics, MX, especially Antics if it's really low. That That's where, again, the problem is as soon as you open a tab in a web browser, but in terms of the rest of it, then I found that even just the default setup of Antics is quite good, but it isn't as user-friendly as MX, which is a bit more hand handholdy. So if you're giving it to an inexperienced user who's mostly used Windows, then MX has a lot of, here's a GUI, here's a button, off you go. And it is remarkably svelte. What about stuff like Puppy? Is that too lightweight? It runs quickly, but like, especially just whacking it on even like a CD-ROM back in the day or a, or a USB drive. I really like it, but it feels a bit like a toy. I'm talking out of the box. Like, it's really powerful, and there's all these spins, isn't there, based on different versions of Ubuntu or whether it's like Slack-based and all of that. And I, I really enjoyed using it, but it doesn't, especially compared to MX. MX is the one where it's run really well on very low-end hardware but doesn't feel like they've cut stuff out that much to get there yeah one thing that always made me uncomfortable using puppy was the fact that and maybe it's changed now but that the default user was root i don't know what about that just really feel like this is just really screwed up version of linux what about something ridiculous like gen 2 gen 2 is just too much bother for me i'm afraid i use gen 2 as my daily driver and it could work in another machine, in a slow machine, because you can just set it up and just compile the security updates and stuff. So in Gentoo, you can just say, okay, I've only apply security updates. And it would probably work. I mean, you need to spend like a lot of time, like a couple of days to set it up if you are going to a low end machine. Well, I can't really talk about Gentoo because I got about halfway through compiling and installing it once and just gave up. So I've never actually done that to my shame. But the distro does make a difference, I think. OpenSUSE, in my experience, is generally pretty slow compared with Ubuntu. I mean, it's it's fine. I could use it, but I think on a low-end machine, I wouldn't choose SUSE because of it, even with the same XFCE desktop or whatever. And is that like SUSE's version of XSC is just heavier in terms of what it gives you or do you think it's actually underlying OS? I think it's underlying. 
I talked to Richard Brown about it ages ago, back when he was the um, the head of the district. I can't remember what their title is, but um, and he said that it's probably because they will always prioritize security over speed. And so if those decisions have to be made, they'll just err on the side of security, was what he said to me. And that's why it might feel a little bit slower than other distros. I see. Interesting. Let's talk about high-end hardware then. Is this a nonsensical question to ask what distro? Is it just whatever you like? No, actually not. Because if you had the latest and greatest, you could really have problems with what distros maybe run on your hardware. Mm. So something Arch-based probably would be better if you've got like the latest, whatever it is, latest graphics card, latest CPU or whatever. Yeah, I was listening to the, to the J- JB one where Chris was talking about his son, his slash his son's laptop where, and it's not even like, is it completely like new, 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 or is it a few months old? But he's thinking of giving his young son Arch because that's the only way really that, that hardware will work to the acceptable degree, you know, for all the workflows and gaming and everything that he wants to use it for. But are Linux users necessarily buying the very latest? Never me. That's my my advice when anyone ever says, if I want to buy something, I go buy something a year old or older and then work from there. Exactly, yeah. I paid about 100 quid for this laptop and then replaced the hard drive. And it's perfect. <laughs> so no, old hardware. I just recently built a new machine with a uh, AMD Ryzen 5 4650G because I wanted to have something that was productive because obviously I, I used a smaller form factor um, and don't have a dedicated GPU. But I wanted to have something that I could at least do a little bit of light gaming with. And uh, so far, I haven't had any serious issues with Solus, um, although there was a brief point in time where they had some NVMe issues, but I think those were tied to something in the kernel. So I suppose it just depends. But if you were playing a reasonably recent game, would it not feel like I'm, I'm playing a bad configuration of this game and not getting the most out of it because I'm running it on Linux? I think with my setup, yes, it probably would feel like it could be better. Yeah, I think that would bug me enough to consider a dual boot just for gaming. Well, yeah, I know people who are real Linux people, but they have a Windows machine, a dedicated Windows machine for gaming on because it's just more effort than it's worth to try and mess around, especially with the anti-cheat stuff like we mentioned. Like it's, it, it's just too much effort. I mean, I don't play games personally, so it's all academic interest for me, but... I think if I was going to play games, I don't think I'd even bother trying on Linux. And I'm playing really low-end stuff too, you know, 16-bit games that are uh, basically just wasting time or a chill-out, uh, end-of-the-day kinds of things. We didn't really come to a conclusion about the higher-end stuff. Do, do, do we all agree then that if it's high-end, it means it's necessarily new, and if it's new, it needs new kernel and drivers, and therefore at least Manjaro, if not like proper Arch or Endeavor OS or one of those Arch-based distros? Actually, both works really well in in a lot of cases. I mean, if it's six months old or something like that, Pop, Pop will be just fine. They really take care of the gaming community in Pop OS. And is it really that much better than standard Ubuntu then? Yeah, they sometimes patch or ship a newer drivers or newer Mesa or stuff like that. 
But can't you just add PPAs to Ubuntu to do that? Yeah, of course. You can do it, but in Pop, just install it and it's a go. For gaming, they have also a patch that it uh, allows you to disable mouse acceleration. That's great, actually, for for gaming and uh, precision work with the mouse. I had a good experience with Pop recently, and I hadn't used it before. And it's a really weird use case and more for experimenting. But I've got a two-in-one Chromebook, and it was the best distro where the touchscreen worked the rotation worked it disabled the keyboard when i flipped it over literally the only thing that's not really working consistently is jack detection for plugging the headphones in and out and also the sound chip didn't work because of an upstream bug but if you just installed one deb and did a bit of ALSA config. And previously, it was literally a no-go on anything other than Gallium OS, which is made for those Chrome devices. And Pop, the whole experience is almost, like it's the best touchscreen experience, especially that I've used, where they've clearly put in like lots of extra bits and bobs compared to vanilla Ubuntu or even vanilla GNOME, where they've listened to feedback, it really feels like. Right. Yeah, I hear a lot of good stuff about Pop! OS, but I just don't like GNOME, so there's just no appeal there for me. Yeah, nor do I, but on a touchscreen device, I do. Everything else feels like it's just an afterthought, like it's compatible and it will take the input, but there's various little bits and bobs that have crept into Pop that makes it feel much more like an actual tablet device. Hmm, because I've got a little touchscreen Vivo book, which is just, I think it's a second gen i3, or maybe third gen or something. And that is, uh, I'm just using that with Zubuntu uh, Hirsute. So what, that's the upcoming one, what, 2104. And that's been absolutely fine. But I don't really use the touchscreen on it, apart from just literally to turn it off, press power button and then jab to turn it off, and then it turns off. So maybe I should try out uh, PopOS on that and see what this touchscreen experience is like and maybe use it like more of a tablet. Yeah, yeah, it's de- I definitely recommend giving it a go. Mm, okay. Have you tried the new Chinese or whatever, the um, tablet? Ping OS. Yeah. Yeah, I tried it out very briefly. I didn't connect it to the network, so I booted it up, and it was all right. I mean, I was expecting it to be much like an iPad, but really it's just KDE. Once you get beyond the very initial interface, any settings or anything, it's just KDE. So I'm hoping they can upstream that stuff. I don't know to what extent they will, but it's definitely one to watch. But it's, I don't think it's aimed at the Western market is the bottom line because it's all in Chinese. Like I couldn't understand any of the documentation within the distro itself. But it is very early for it, so we'll have to see what happens with that. But yeah, I'm, I'm certainly keeping my eye on that one. I'm thinking, Joe, about your question about the old hardware, new hardware and everything and like percolating a... With old hardware, for me, I feel like my experience has been it splits. Like, I've got lots of old stuff that I'm willing to mess around with and make work, but most people would be like, that's a ball ache. That's too old. I've had enough. And then there's other old hardware that on Windows just falls apart. So the use case becomes chuck a decent distro on it and I can give it to my grandma and that's when the specs have to have a minimum viable so i've got like some 32 2-bit netbooks and i chuck like 
Batacera on it as a <laughs> like retro gaming thing and it can handle it but running a daily desktop starts to become a chore and then when you go up to the high end I feel like there might be specific use cases like you build a rig with a specific like this is going to be for video editing but I, I don't know I'm not flush for cash so I've never had the opportunity to chuck all my money at a rig and see what happens and get like the latest stuff but you have to be quite brave I think to buy like a day one release Ryzen, especially if it's a desktop architecture that is literally like Linus Torvalds is going to have to start unpicking it and go, how the hell does this thing work? Because you're going on that journey with him. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure, like people will do it, but you have to be really willing to just have a broken system until you get there. And so I don't know whether it's even the distro, because you're going to have the distro bugs, but if you're right on the bleeding edge of the hardware, but then that, I guess, is it bleeding edge or high end? That's Does it fragment again? Because just because it's high end doesn't mean it has to be bleeding edge at the same time, you know, especially now because there's not necessarily always a huge leap in performance every single generation, like a, a jaw-dropping one. Yeah, well, you could build a Threadripper now, for example, that is fairly old and established but it's still going to beat the pants off anything Ryzen. Even, you know, the Ryzen uh, 5950X, I think, is the top, you know, enthusiast class one rather than, you know, professional workstation or whatever. And so even if you've got the older generation Threadripper, that's going to be well supported even in the Ubuntu LTS at this point. And so at that point, you're just picking the right distro for you, aren't you? If it's gaming, then maybe you'd go towards Pop, if, like me, you like Ubuntu, then that's fine on it. I've always come at it from the low end. That's why I find it hard to talk about high end because my attraction to Linux has always been, I've got this clapped out old laptop. Like, how can I make it into a computer again? Because the person that's given it to me has said, I'm putting this in the bin. And the satisfaction of, of it is seeing their face when you see them the next time. And they're like, I thought that laptop was going in the bin. And you're like... No, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just at the application of how you put an operating system on it and optimize it. So that's always been my attraction to that. Whereas I haven't had as much opportunity to experience high-end hardware plus Linux at the same time. Usually when I've come across that, it's someone who's bought like a Mac or a gaming PC. So I've got a question for you. Exactly how big is your pile of old laptops? smaller than a few weeks ago because my wife got on my case and got particularly angry. 